Welcome, everybody, to the Boiler Alert Podcast. With you, as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Ryan Bonaparte. Ryan, glad to have you back. Um, and, you know, what a time for you to come back. We're going to be talking all about Purdue's upcoming game against Ohio State. And we're going to mm-hmm. touch on Big Ten Basketball Media Days that happened this week. Uh, but, Ryan, you suggested maybe we have a fall question or a spooky season question to start off, and I've got one for you. Are you ready? Okay. Yep. Um, you know, Halloween, always a great time uh, for movies, oftentimes pretty good kids' movies, but it's, you know, more known for scary movies, for maybe some some slashers, some horror. Uh, mm-hmm. What would you say is your favorite uh, Halloween either movie or franchise? Threw a curveball there for me. Yeah. Um, see, I'm not so much a fan of the slashers. Okay. Just, um, I really like Jordan Peele's work. Yeah, those are good. The newer movies. So yeah. I, I think I might have to actually say Get Out. Yeah, that that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I haven't the seen, symbolism in that movie is awesome. I haven't seen his latest one. Uh, nope. Have you seen that one? No. Nope. Yeah, I've seen all three of them. Okay. Okay. How would you? He how would you? Obviously, it sounds like you'd rank Get Out number one. Where would you rank the other two? I would put. I honestly, I would put. Nope at two and us at three. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously get out, I think is of the two that I've seen, obviously get out, I think is, is the better one, but us was still very good. Very creepy. Very weird. Um, oh yeah. You know, so I'm really looking forward to Nope. I know it's streaming on a couple different places, so I, yeah. I want to watch that when I get a chance. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. I, I love slasher movies. Slasher movies are, like, of the horror genre. Those are, like, my favorite ones. But I guess okay. maybe, slasher might be, like, a separate sh- sub-genre, but um, I really think those are a lot of fun. I love the Scream movies, even the bad ones. Um, yep. Even even the bad ones are still good to me. And it's always, like, it, the killer is almost always someone who is acting weird, and you're like, well, of course that's going to be the killer. But then it turns, like, in half the Scream movies, it turns out there's, like, three killers um, and there's always somebody related to somebody, and so there, you know, there's a formula. But I always find them to be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I would say that if I had to pick a slash movie, it would be Scream as well. Yeah, I'll so, tell you, any it, kids? Oh, I mean, kids movie. I mean, for me, for Halloween, it's got to be Hocus Pocus. Oh, okay. Um, I think for myself, I'd have to start going into like the Disney Channel movies, like Halloween so, Town. Oh yeah, Halloween Town. That is not my to be wife... confused with Halloween Town from Nightmare Before Christmas. Right, completely different. Yeah, my wife loves Halloween Town. Absolutely loves Halloween Town. Yeah, I, I think there's four of them. I've seen them all. I really enjoyed the last one where it's like a different main. The uh, actress changes. Okay. I don't know why I like that one so much. I just I prefer it. Yeah, I think. I'll ask one final question. What do you think is like the creepiest or scariest movie you've ever seen? Mm. Or, or or just like the one that stuck with you longest? Well, okay. So I have two answers. One's more correct than the other. Okay. I also um, had two answers as I was asking the question. So that's kind of funny. Yeah. I would say the original like freakiest movie and scariest movie I've seen is the original Ring. Okay, yeah, that is that was a creepy one for sure. Yeah, when she comes out of the comes TV, out of the TV and all that <laughs> jazz. Nah. 
Um, and then the other one, it's it's not creepy. It's it's hilariously funny. But when I watched it as like an eight year old, it terrified. Oh yeah, me. that changes things. Exactly. The movie is Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I've heard of it, but I've not seen it. Absolutely. Just absolute insanity in this movie. Like, they wrap up humans in cotton candy cocoons and then, like, shove a straw in and, like, just go to town on it. It is... It's it's almost satirical in how bad it is, but, like, when you're eight years old, it freaks you out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, when you're eight, anything can scare you like that. Right. And I'm... I may have been like eight or nine when this movie that I saw was like, this was like the scariest movie that I saw at the time. And it was the original night of the living dead. Okay. Like the black and white where they're just at like the, the farmhouse and there are zombies trying to get in. I just remember we watched that at my friend's house. Um, my brother and I, uh, were over at a friend's and we were watching it. It was super late at night. And I just remember being, like, really, really scared of this movie. And especially at the end, because, spoiler alert for a movie that's, like, you know, 40, 50, whatever years old. Um, yeah. You know, they shoot the black character because, he, even though he's the hero, the cop shoots him because he thinks he's a zombie. And that's the end of the movie. And you're like, yeah. oh, so there's, like, more than one meaning here. And, you know, it, like, it ate. You, you don't really get all of that, but, like... I watched yep. it again a few years ago, and it still freaks me out. Maybe just because of, like, the feeling watching it when I was a little kid, and I was like, oh, my God, zombies. Um, right. But it still freaks me out to this day. Um, and the other one that stands out to me is Rosemary's Baby. Oh. That – oh, okay. man. That movie is just creepy. Uh, don't know. Have you yeah. ever seen that one? I have once. Yeah. Won't I, really want – nah. Yeah. Not once, my cup of tea. once is enough because it yeah. that is that is a movie that stuck with me after I watched it and was just like okay that is that is very very weird and creepy and just unsettling I, I think yeah. is a good word for it yeah so although not spooky do you consider Jaws to be a horror movie yeah I guess I would I guess I would I'm not sure what else like what other genre would it fit in yeah I I maybe a thriller. Oh, no, I think of Thriller more as, like, there's a chase going on and, like, people, like, cops and thrillers. I, I view it that way. But, I mean, I could see how you would categorize it as a thriller, I suppose. Really slow-paced thriller. Yeah. Contradicts our uh, everything about movies. But yeah, I know that's somewhat of a uh, debate. Less so than Die Hard being a Christmas movie. Which it's not. Correct. I okay. agree, but... That's for a couple months from now. Yeah, yeah, we can ask that. Uh, we can ask that one later. I think I'm trying to think of the other one, this other movie that I saw that really freaked me out, but I cannot remember uh, the name of it. I'm I'm gonna try to look it up as I ask you the first question here, just to see if I can uh, come back to it. But so okay. Big Ten Media Days were this week, and. Uh, the, the press conference with Matt Painter was only just, you know, five, ten minutes. Uh, did you happen to watch any of it on Big Ten Network? Because they did air it. I watched a bit of the Zach Eady portion. Okay. But that's about it. Do you think, um, you know, Purdue took Eady, Morton, and Gillis uh, to Big Ten Media Days. Yep. 
Do you think Edie, who was the one that you saw, said anything of note? No, I mean, he was explaining how he came back to Purdue because he essentially knew it would be a better time for himself. Like, college kid's going to come back and see all his friends. I completely agree. So, um, nothing too substantial that I saw in the limited amount that I saw. Yeah, I mean, it was sort of a, a thing that we had talked about when we were trying to determine if he would come back. It's like, if you come back, you're the big man on campus, and who wouldn't want to do that for a year? You know, there's a lot to right. enjoy about that. Um, by the way, I did look it up. The other movie that really freaked me out, and apparently, and I know Roman Polanski, terrible human being, uh, but this is the second movie of his I'm mentioning, uh, The Ninth Gate with Johnny mm. Depp and Frank Langella. That movie was super weird. It's about the devil, and there's demon books and conspiracies. That that book is or that book that movie is bizarre, uh, and that was know. another one that really stuck with me. So, uh, good times. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did listen um, and watch. I, I should say watch all of Matt Painter's press conference. Not a whole lot came of it. Um, you know, right. he was asked, "How do you get over a loss like you had last year?" And he said, "You don't. You know, you you yep. live with it. It stays with you. You use it to go forward." Um, and it, it was it was fun in that Lewis Jackson was there in a reporting capacity. Um, I forget who he said, uh, what outlet he was working for, but he got to ask him a question during the media days. And Painter, you know, every reporter there has to say, hi, this is so-and-so from, you know, whatever outlet. And he Mm. said, Lewis Jackson from, and then he said his his, uh, outlet. And they just had the camera on Painter, and you could see his face just, like, try not to smile when he saw it was Lou Jack. Um, mm-hmm. so I thought that was really fun just that, you know, these guys are getting other opportunities cause of course Hummel was there as well. Um, right. So a lot of, a lot of Purdue guys in there getting a chance. Uh, Rayfield Davis, I believe was there as well. Um, but there's one thing I wanted to ask you about in particular. Did you see the clip, uh, of Mason Gillis that is causing all the hubbub and all the fighting on Purdue and IU Twitter? I have not. No. Oh, okay, good, good. So, I like team. Of course, you know, like any clip on the internet, something was clipped and cut out uh, a short <laughs> part of a longer answer, and it made waves. So this was from Fox College Hoops, tweeted this out, um, and it was a clip of Mason Gillis, and he said, you know, if we have to take the two losses to Indiana, because of course Purdue got swept last year, to get these mm-hmm. and he shows his hand with the big 10 ch- tournament championship ring and a big 10 championship ring. He goes, then, then I'll take it. You know, this is, he said, I'm okay with it because really this is what their, one of their goals was to get this. One of the other goals was to get the big 10 tournament. Um, right. And everybody's like, Oh, what well, you know, those rings don't matter. All the IU fans, I should say are like, Oh, those rings don't matter. Call us when you win a final four calls. When you get to the final four calls, when you win the NCAA tournament, what a loser mm-hmm. big 10 championships don't mean anything. And, and they were like, Oh look, he's bringing up. IU unprompted? We live rent free. Well, the thing is, if you go and look at the whole clip, which had much fewer, um, views, it mm. was literally a reporter asked the question, um, about coming up this season, how, you know, some games have more meaning, you know, for instance, last year you guys got swept by IU and that's always tough, especially after you, you know, done so well against them for the last, I think nine years is what the reporter says. 
Um, so how do you, right. how do you deal with that going forward? What does that mean for you? Um, so Zach Eady then handed the microphone to Mason Gillis uh, because Gillis is of course um, from Indiana, more um, part of the rivalry than you know Edie, who grew up in Canada. And so Mason Gillis was like, you know, you know, we had four goals going into the season: win the Big Ten, win the Big Ten tournament, get to a Final Four, win the national title. Uh, we got two of those goals, and you know, if if we had to lose two of those games to to IU to get that. I'm okay with it because beating IU wasn't our goal. These were our goals. And if we had, you know, gone further and still lost to IU, that's okay because, again, that wasn't our goal. Our goal was not to beat Indiana. We had bigger goals than that. And then you see that, and everybody's like, oh, well, I guess he didn't bring up IU unprompted, and I guess he's not bragging about, you know, um, Mm -hmm. some other unrelated thing. So. It's just it's another example of how the internet has rotted all of our brains. Context matters. Yeah. So I I agree with Mason Gillis that um and hearing this for the first time, of course, I agree that um there are bigger goals out there. Although Mason Gillis is kinda speaking from a point of privilege there, having been a part of this team for three prior seasons where IU did not beat Purdue. Right, right. So, that being said, perhaps a goal this year is not to get swept by well, yeah. Indiana. So, there's maybe you get three out of five this year, or hopefully more. But, yeah. Um, Honestly, obviously, you know, I mean, goals change. Yes, exactly. Goals change. You set them every year. And I think, if, I think all of Purdue fandom would be okay if I told you, you know, it's it's the end of March, beginning of April, whatever the, the championship game is this year, I don't know the exact date. If I came to you the day after that and said, Purdue won the national title, we didn't win the Big Ten, we didn't win the Big Ten tournament, we lost, you know, um, in a really close race to Michigan State, uh, we lost in the finals of the Big Ten tournament, and we got swept by IU this year. Would you be okay with that? I would be... Aesthetic. Exactly. Exactly. So, like, the individual games matter, of course. We always want to beat IU. The game does matter to us. But to pretend that it is the end-all, be-all of the season is just wrong. Um, The team has bigger goals. The fans have bigger goals for this team with everything returning. And it's not like you can just pick or choose because beating IU would obviously help us get to a Big Ten title, but if Purdue were to somehow, you know, get to a national title game, get to a Final Four, win the whole thing, but lose to IU, who gives a shit? Who cares? Like, what is IU going to be like, oh, yeah, but we beat you that year. Okay, big deal. <laughs> like, right. I, I don't care. I don't care. So, it, it's it's as I said, it's another example of the, the internet just ruining our brains and people not getting the full context before they react to something. Because Mason Gillis was just getting dunked on by all these IU fans, and they had no idea what they were talking about, no idea the context of the question, the fact that the reporter brought up IU, and then suddenly they see the whole clip and radio silence. Yeah. And my question is, as always, how many of them were alive the last time Indiana won a ring? Yeah, not very many. <laughs> so. Not very many. What was it, 1989? Oh, sure. Um... 
I was certainly not alive. I think so. it's 1989, but I, I tell you, um, I'm not sure if I've told you this story before, but I remember back when I was in high school, when IU made the title game, they played Maryland. Um, and of course I grew mm-hmm. up in Indiana. I live in Maryland now, but, uh, so a, the vast majority of the town I grew up in, in Connorsville were IU fans. So we, a friend of ours had a watch party for the game. Of course, everyone but me and like two other people were rooting, uh, for IU. And we were just sitting like on the back of this couch, like just rooting for Maryland silently, like having allowing the the iu fans to enjoy their time but like cheering for maryland and being like come on just don't let us don't let us have to watch this with (laughs) all these people and to see maryland win and all these iu fans be crushed was really great but i was so terribly nervous because i could not imagine going back to my high school the next day if iu had won that thing it would have been an absolute nightmare yeah. Yeah. I, I can relate to that story just because Marissa plays for the band for Notre Dame. So going to like, uh, see a game for her, oh, yeah. uh, to support, but being one of like four people in the stadium who's rooting for the other team, I, I get it. So yeah, yeah. it's, a, it can be a very, um, encur- or not encouraging, but just rewarding experience knowing how uh, how you're on the so few, but you get rewarded with a choke job yeah. from Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah, that must be fun. Um, <laughs> w- one final bit of news uh, before we take our break and get into the Ohio State game. We did get, well, we I did get my uh, email approval for the Maui Invitational that is now going to be on Honolulu. Uh, so I'm officially credentialed for the Maui slash Honolulu Invitational. So I will be on site there in Hawaii. Fantastic. Okay. So even if I somehow get your uh, unlucky streak, it doesn't matter because I'll be in Hawaii. Right. And, and oh, well, I'll save this for the second half. So we're going to go ahead and take a break, come back, and talk all about Purdue's game against Ohio State. Ooh. <laughs> that's the right response and we are back so as ryan's shutter before the break uh indicates we are not looking forward to this game on saturday against ohio state this game is a noon kickoff this game is on peacock this will be the third week in a row uh, that purdue will be playing on peacock so i know the fans are thrilled about all of that but ryan ohio state comes into the game undefeated on the season Purdue, of course, sits at two and four uh, after just an excruciating loss uh, to Iowa. One of those you just wanted to throw some bleach on your eyes after watching that game. No one looked good. No one exactly covered themselves on in glory on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but what can you tell us about Ohio State so far this season? Well, I mean, we started off talking about spooky season, and it makes sense. The Ohio State offense is just a machine that is built to run. It, you know, you can plug in whatever quarterback you need. Obviously, they don't have C.J. Stroud anymore to be the um, Heisman candidate that Ohio State's used to. But even with Kyle McCord as their quarterback, he's filled in and he just has every weapon he could ever need to build an offense that doesn't stop um 
Ohio State's uh, main point of attack is their wide receiver room. It just it replenishes, and and every year it seems they have three of the top five receivers in the entire Big Ten. It it's ongoing. Ryan Day has made a habit of recruiting these guys, and honestly, none have been bigger than their current number one receiver right now in Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, yeah. You uh, of course. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're obviously a college sports fan, so you know who Marvin Harrison Jr. is. Uh, but if not, you know, he is obviously the son of Marvin Harrison, a uh, pretty darn good wide receiver in his own right who played for the Indianapolis mm-hmm. Colts. Um, and I have to say this for my brother who listens, the the one thing you could always count on Marvin Harrison for is catching the ball and then immediately falling down because he didn't want to take a hit uh, or running out of bounds two yards early before uh, taking a hit. But, you know, it worked for him, prolonged his career, didn't get injured. Uh, so, yeah. you know, he, he did what he had to do, I guess. But his son, of course, absolutely destroying teams at Ohio State. He was almost as good as um, our very own Charlie Jones last year. Yeah. Yep, pretty much. Um, but even still, this year he's put all of that and added to it. So far in five games, he's got five catches a game for one yard short of 500 yards. Jeez. And four touchdowns. It's And it's not just, hey, you know, go out, get open, and make a catch because you're at Ohio State. These are incredibly difficult uh, routes and catch combos that this guy has, toe drags, and go up and get over someone to catch the ball. It is must-see TV or streaming on Peacock. That's right. Every time you see uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., he is going to be a top-10 pick next year in the draft. Yeah, I mean... It is. It's going to happen. As you said, he, and, he can do all of the things at the wide receiver position. He's not just a possession guy. He's also... He can catch every type of ball. He's got good um, control once he's in the air, great hands, ability to get a toe down, great field awareness. I mean, he, he can do everything. Yeah, and he's just one of the four-headed monster that is Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Abuka, Julian Fleming, and Cade Stover. Each one of these guys um, have just unreal ability to catch the ball, get open in space, and score. Um, Abuka, Harrison, and Stover all have over 300 receiving yards this year and have combined for eight touchdowns. Man. Um, With Fleming, who is number four, who has 15 catches for 153 yards. So, I mean, at what places do you have a number four receiver still averaging 30 yards a game? Right, right. And mind you, this is with an Ohio State team. Their offense has not taken off like everyone expected. Right. They only put up 23 against Indiana. They uh, put up 35 against Youngstown State. They finally put something together against Western Kentucky and scored 63. But um, at Notre Dame, which is a huge matchup, they won with... Uh, 10 men on the field for no game. I was, was going to say it helped, that. helped only having 10 men. But they only scored 17. 
Last week against Maryland, they put up 37, but it did not look that close going into halftime. So it's almost like the caged animal hasn't been released yet, and they're still world beaters on offense. That is absolutely terrifying. Exactly what I was going to say. Very scary to me. So it it is, before you continue down um, these people who are going to actually absolutely terrify us as Purdue fans, it's important to point out that Purdue is missing a number of players going into this game. Um, Yeah. And we'll miss them, at least these three, for the rest of the season. Mac tight end, Max Clare, out for the season. Um, defensive back, Marquise Wilson, will not be back this season. And in the last game, Marcus Imbo uh, also was injured. He is uh, Purdue's right tackle, and mm-hmm. he will be out for the season. So that is three guys who were starting, or in, in Clare's case, you know, he was a, a number two tight end once Miller came back, but it was a one-two situation, so they're still both out there. Um, those right. guys are all going to be gone. Um, kicker Ben Freehill still remains injured. We don't know for sure when he's coming back. That has made field goals um, a bit of a tricky issue for Purdue. OC Brothers still questionable. And Tyrone Tracy, um, in, the, in the Ryan Walters press conference, he said about Tyrone Tracy, I'd be shocked if he played this week. So, I mean, that is six guys right there, all contributors, who three are guaranteed out, and the remaining three sound like it's very, very unlikely that they will play. Yeah. Not to mention there's uh, some questions about Hudson Card, too. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's an important position. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So... It does not look like a very easy task. <laughs> we'll put it very mildly. Yes. And on the still on the offensive side of the ball, Ohio State has three guys who are very good at running the football as well. And uh, Diamante uh, Trayanum, Travion Henderson, and Mayan Williams. Mayan Williams is their uh, number three guy right now, but two years ago this guy – was um, up there with some of the big boys. I mean, we're talking Blake Corum and, at the time, Devin Mockaby. So it's it's a running back room that's stacked, a wide receiver room that's stacked, and I only put the top, you know, seven guys on the field. It just goes like 10, 12 deep where they're going to they're gonna attack and they're going to attack well. Yeah. Now, I, I just the I'm the, trying to think of a weakness for you. That's that's what I was gonna ask, but I'm just I'm too afraid to hear your answer. Um, maybe it could just be they're not very efficient at scoring when they're in the red zone. Well, and that's you know, something you, to latch onto. You know what uh, Purdue is great at? Yeah allowing long plays so that a team does not have to even get in the red zone. No, Peru doesn't do that. Honestly, I think that is the thing that worries me the most about this game um, is Purdue's secondary, which has already been struggling this entire year, now without uh, one of their starters back there. And I just think with the talent Ohio State has at wide receiver, it just feels like they're going to be able to throw all over the field and – Purdue not only has had str- um, has struggled with allowing wide receivers to get behind them, they've also struggled with tackling in the open field. So yeah. when you combine those two things and the talent Ohio State has 
at the wide receiver position. I does feel like this is a game where Ohio State is going to score a boatload of points, um, just a boatload. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when they do get in the red zone, though, they only score a touchdown 9 out of 17 times. That is surprisingly bad. Yeah. So um, not what you really expect out of a team like this. Um, they have scored overall in 14 of those 17. So that's okay. not even that great. No. You had three turnovers in the red zone. But um, so 9 out of 17, that's what I'm latching to. That's that's my advice is to latch onto that. And as well as they have 31 penalties in five games. So six penalties a game. If they're regular penalties, you know, that helps if you're on defense. But at this point, we're trying to grasp at whatever straws we can. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's only it's a noon kickoff, so we don't have the late-night Ohio State game magic. But it is uh, the Hammerdown Cancer game, which is, of course, the, mm-hmm. what the Tyler Trent game was um, when Purdue won that one. So, you know, maybe there's some residual magic in the air at Ross-Aid Stadium. Um <laughs> We've been told that there will be some news related to Tyler Trent and the family announced at the game. Um, We were only teased that news, so I don't know exactly what it's going to be. Um, Right. But we were just told uh, a big announcement during the game relating to Tyler Trent and family. Um, But we we were told that they cannot give us any more details than that. So at the very least, we'll have some good news because anytime you can do anything with uh, Tyler Trent – um, in his memory, and especially going uh, toward a fight against cancer, that's a good day, um, even if the football yeah. on the field is going to be bad. Right. And I for- is there already a Tyler Trent scholarship? I believe that there is, uh, but okay. I would not guarantee that. Okay. I believe he had a scholarship in his honor uh, given to out before i'm not sure that it's a recurring uh scholarship however apparently there's the these the tyler trent courage and resilience award okay and it is a scholarship gotcha and it is given to an undergraduate student at Purdue's west lafayette campus who has encountered serious physical or similar daunting adversity in their pursuit of higher education gotcha okay yeah so that would have been my guess, but obviously there is already something out there for that. Yeah. Um, but I guess we'll find out. Yeah. So, I mean, on defense, they're pretty much just as scary. Um, yep. And I just, as you said, we're grasping for straws, but I don't know what to grasp at. And and we try to be optimistic. We're homers here on this podcast. We tell you time and time again. But, man, I, I just think Purdue is going to get walloped in this game. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert: This will be the first game I don't pick Purdue. <laughs> if you picked Purdue, I would be very concerned. Um, right. Oh, so to to pick up on what I said right before the break, uh, you know, you do have uh, a, a string of bad luck going to Purdue games, but you will not be in attendance at this one. So I, I want to put it out right now: If Purdue does somehow find a way to win this game, you should not go to another Purdue football game this year okay at home of course yes yeah because i obviously was not in iowa right right yeah i mean i think if purdue finds a way to beat ohio state and you aren't there it's 
you're you're the bad the bad juju. You're the problem. I you know if if that's what it takes to get a victory over this team, if I have to become the scapegoat, I think I'm okay with that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It reminds me of the Avengers Endgame uh, promotional material that just says whatever it takes. Right. So you'll you'll do what you have to to help the team, and I appreciate that. Yeah, ruin two uh, playoff runs in a five-year stretch. Yeah. Gotta love it. So, yeah, so kind of going back to the Ohio State defense, the most points that Ohio State has allowed in a game this year, 17 to Maryland and uh, Talia Tagovailoa. So they are not allowing a lot of points. No. They allowed three to Indiana and 14 to Notre Dame. The other two, it doesn't even matter. Right, um, yeah. They're nobody. So, the weird thing is, their defense is not... It's not incredibly, like, we're going to take the ball away like Iowa, or we're not. We're going to come and punch you in the mouth. It's, we're going to play solid and get you to third down and make you punt the ball. You know, we're going to be consistent, but we're not going to be complete disruptors. They have seven sacks on the season and seven takeaways. So it's not like they're capitalizing the most out of anyone. They're just playing very sound defense. And this is what happens when you have 10 of your starters, you know, nine, 10 of your starters are four-star, five-star players. You're going to be better on defense, and it makes a big difference. So one thing that... You know, you said they only have, what, seven sacks? Correct. So that just reminds me that going into the Iowa game, they only had three. And then they got six against Purdue. So One should not have been, however. Well, I yes. still submit that. I, I agree. It was, a, it was a terrible call. He was not down. Um, he had thrown the ball. But it, 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 I think, is not a good sign for Purdue that they allowed an Iowa team to get six sacks who had only gotten three on the year, and then they're coming in against an Ohio State team who only has seven on the year, and now Purdue is without their right tackle, so the line has to shuffle again, and we just – it is a recipe for disaster, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how many different ways I can say that I am not optimistic about this game. (laughs) Well, here's another. They're – uh, place kicker hasn't missed in 29 kicks this year. Well, there you go. Seven for seven field goals, 22 or 22 extra points. Yeah. Oh, and when their punter is out there, he uh, punts for 42 yards a, a punt. Yeah, I mean. Oh, Small sample. Oh, Only man. 14 punts this year. Well, yeah, not getting a lot of work. Right. So it's it's going to be a uh, a time. It's either going to be a second magical night or it's going to be something we just saw coming. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely am afraid it's going to be the latter, but um, do we have a, do we have a punting game today or are we just so sad? We're going to skip it. <laughs> um, I do. It's, it's a little bit of a cop out, but that's okay. Okay. So Jesse, Mike or Mirko, not my, I, I see his name and I see micro every time. But Jesse Murko is averaging 42 yards a punt. Now, this would take Jesse six punts what? to get here. Six punts? So, yes. t- 252 yards? 
Yeah, pretty much. To, is that like to value City Arena? No, not quite. What's I don't know. I've never been to the Horseshoe, so I don't know what's like directly there. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'll give you it's still in the Horseshoe, pretty much. So it's still on like the within the campus. I don't know. It is to the office of Ryan Day, who um, who has been the winningest head coach in Ohio State history. But also, this also includes the Big Nut. Have you remember the Big Nut from Ohio State's fans? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just really wanted to relive that moment of him from 2018 just absolutely in sorrow at the Purdue game. Yeah, that was good. So the home of the Big Nut only takes the Ohio State um, punter six punts. Okay, all right. (laughs) So I guess it's time. How bad do we think it's going to be? You know, you said you're picking Um, against Purdue. First time all year. What do you got? Yep. Uh, Um... I will go 38 to 10. 38 to 10. Okay. Which, by the way, hits the under by one. Okay. Uh, You know, I may or may not have put a wager on this game uh, for Ohio State to cover and go over 34 and a half points. (laughs) So, you know, we'll see. It's it's what my buddy um, calls emotional uh, emotional hedging. So if Purdue wins... That's great. I didn't really need that money anyway. It's all fun money. Uh, but mm-hmm. if Purdue loses, I get some money out of it, you know? So it's right. a win-win situation. Um, so given that, I am going to go – I'm actually going to go 35-3. to three. Um, Okay. I just – I'm not optimistic about anything for Purdue in this game, especially with all those injuries. I mean, Tracy being out is really going to hurt the offense. But mm-hmm. losing the right tackle, um, you know, Imbo is going to – cause a problem for an offensive line that is already struggling um wilson being out in the backfield um the defensive backfield just gives ohio state even more options to just carve up this purdue secondary that has been suspect all year i mean the injuries that purdue has right now are playing into everything that ohio state is going to do and yeah it's just i just i can't find a reason to be optimistic about this game so i'm going 35 to 3 Maybe it'll be thirty-five nothing at halftime. And they play their starters or they rest their starters in the second half. Could, yeah, I because, honestly, honestly could see that happening, but it, it would probably be through the third quarter. You know, I think it's disrespectful right. to a fellow conference foe to not have your starters in the entire second half. That being said, Ohio State does might be looking forward. They do play Penn State next week. True. True. That is. That is a good point. Um, you know, it is. it has happened before. You overlook the team in front of you, and, and you get slapped in the mouth a little bit. But um, I don't know if a Ryan Day team has, has done that very often. No, he's only lost six times. Right. So, so the only time that it might have happened was when they lost to Oregon um, in the regular season. Only regular season non-Michigan loss for Ryan Day was to the Oregon Ducks. Soon to be a conference opponent. That is wild. Absolutely wild. What a spoiled group of people they are, those Ohio State fans. Yeah. Except Uh, for basketball. Yeah. Well, yeah. All right, Ryan, any final thoughts on Ohio State before we get out of here? Um, no. No. Just 
maybe we don't take the complete beat down this weekend. That Here's hoping. Yeah, there you go. Here's hoping uh, for Ryan and myself. Boiler up. We'll talk to you next time. Hammer down. Cancer. Cancer.